So according to a number of polls conducted over the last several years, around 80% of people say they want to write and publish a book. Out of those, a tiny fraction actually do, and even fewer sell a significant number of copies. Today, we'll talk about the concept of book publishing and ways to do so while selling more copies. All this and more on The Rightly Show. It's the program that helps you start and grow a brand-centric online business through the fusion of form and function. This is The Rightly Show. Hello and welcome to the program. My name is Thomas McGee and this is The Rightly Show. So today we're going to be talking about a topic that is pretty near and dear to my heart and that is being a published author. Now, what's kind of funny about that is that I myself am not a published author. However, what I did do for many years early in my career is I worked in the book publishing industry as a book jacket designer. And then later on, I actually began the process of moving on towards doing author website and slowly transitioning more towards the web development and web design thing side of things. So suffice it to say, all the time that I spent in the book publishing industry working for a wide variety of book publishers as well as independent authors, I got to see a a lot of behind the scenes in terms of what actually makes a book successful. Now, there aren't a number, there isn't a checklist I can take you through that will guarantee you a bestseller. There are a lot of different factors that go into it. However, there are some common mistakes that you can avoid that will definitely help. So similar to previous episodes, what I've done, uh, if you've been listening to the new season ever since we've kind of reformatted the show a little bit, is that I go through a particular type of business or industry or profession, and we talk about ways to do it more creatively while at the same time establishing a brand and doing doing so as successfully as possible. And I thought this would actually be a really good uh, tie-in to becoming a published author and using that as the profession of choice. Not per, not simply because it's a, you know, it's a, still a prominent profession out there, but because a lot of people who don't necessarily want to be full-time writers still want to become a published author. So there's a lot of issues that comes with that. Um, but in particular, What I did when I was, uh, like I said, when I was working in the book publishing industry, I worked particularly on book jackets. And I think in my time uh, up until now, which I've actually got one book jacket uh, project in process even now, uh, because I do take them on from time to time. Um, But I learned a lot because I designed literally hundreds of book jackets. And so I learned a lot, not only from the uh, you know, the more technical aspect of using things like InDesign and Photoshop and Illustrator and, you know, working with printers and crop marks and bleed and, uh, you know, color palettes and, you know, Pantone swatches. So I learned all of that. But more importantly, I got to learn a lot more about what makes a book jacket professional and what makes one not. And beyond that, what makes a book itself marketable and what does not. So there's a lot of things that I'm going to touch on in this Uh, podcast episode that if you know someone or if you are one of those 80% of people on the planet who plan on someday publishing a book, these are going to be some things that you want to kind of earmark, keep in mind, because they're going to seriously help uh, as you're going down that path, particularly in a world and in a time where self-publishing 
is more prominent than it's ever been before. Okay, so let's first of all, let's kind of go through some common mistakes before we jump into how we're going to tackle this whole process of publishing a book, right? So the biggest mistake that I see people make when they want to publish is that they wait until the book is published or maybe a week before to actually begin marketing the book. And this is a huge mistake because at that point you've, you don't have any momentum, right? So that's why it is so important to be building a personal or even a corporate brand on the web. A lot of what we're talking about here on the rightly show, because if you've got a brand, if you've got a platform that you've been building over the course of several years, you have an avenue through which to tell people about that book and to encourage them to buy it. And more importantly, to tell them how this book will make their lives better. Another common mistake I see, particularly when it comes to the marketing of a book, and I hear this one all the time still, uh, is the idea of you ask them, okay, so who is this book for? And the answer to that is many times everyone. And so there is a common thread, uh, a common saying across many marketing uh, avenues in general, but particularly in the book book publishing market, which is that if you are marketing your book to everyone, you're marketing your book to no one. So it's really important as you're deciding uh, to whom you are writing this book, you want to make sure that uh, you're very specific with the subset of people. And what I even like to recommend is pick a specific person and not so much demographics, right? A lot of people like to say, okay, what's this person's age, gender, all those things. Uh, income bracket, like not, those things have a little bit of play in terms of the likelihood of the person buying the book. But more importantly, I don't want necessarily the way this person looks. I want more about what does this person feel or what is this person or wh- what is the way that this person uh, thinks, you know, uh, what are their core values? What are their ideals, their goals? What is it that they're trying to accomplish? Why are they trying to accomplish it? What is the end of the road, the place that they want to be as a result of reading the book? Finding information out like that is much more useful, particularly to the marketing of a book than just simply knowing the demographics of the people we're trying to reach. The next kind of common mistake I come across pretty regularly or have come across in the book publishing industry is that most book titles are terrible. They really are. And it's book titles are so hard because most of the ones they see out there are way too long, way too descriptive and are not memorable. Now, I do know that that's a difficult, that's a tall order, particularly when you've spent all of this time writing thousands of words, having to boil it down to a handful, three or four words is not easy but it's definitely worth going through the time. Again, we're going to be talking about some of these things in this episode, so you don't really have to worry about it, but these are some of the most common mistakes. And then probably the one that bugs me the most out of the most common mistakes I wanted to touch on here just at the first segment of this episode is that so many books out there uh, have what I like to call a distinct self-published look. I can look at a book many times. If I go into a book publisher or meaning if I go into a Barnes and Noble back when, you know, you could go in Barnes and Noble, uh, or even if I'm skimming across Amazon, I can take one look at a book and instantly tell you whether or not it was put out by a publisher or by a self-published author. And uh, I'm going to get into that uh, in a little bit more detail uh, later on in this episode. But before I do that, I wanted to actually tell you about a free ebook 
that I have available for you. And I wrote this several years back. And essentially what I did is I encapsulated all of my knowledge or some of my more prominent, uh, useful knowledge for people who are looking to publish into one ebook, and I called it Book Covers That Sell. So this is all my expertise and knowledge and understanding that I've gained almost uh, a decade long worth of time that I spent actually designing book jackets for authors ranging from those just getting started to New York Times bestsellers. So I encapsulate a lot of the information that I can't all fit in this episode because what we're going to be talking about in this episode is more to the marketing end of the book, which I do touch on in book covers that sell. But book covers that sell goes into the nitty gritty details of things that you want to look out for as you are getting a book cover designed. And no, you should not design it yourself. Hire a professional. Uh, that's one of the things that I touch on in the book. But you can get that absolutely free. I've got a link to that. Uh, to, at today's show notes, which you can find at rightly.show slash 87. Again, if you would like to get a free copy of the ebook called Book Covers That Sell, be sure to head over to, today, to today's show notes at rightly.show slash 87. Again, that's rightly.show slash 87. Have a question for the program? Call 844-RIGHTLY to record your question, and we would be happy to consider featuring it in a future episode. That's 844-744-4859 or 844-RIGHTLY. Okay, so now let's take some time to start walking through what we're going to do to publish this theoretical book. So let's just kind of assume I don't have an agent. I'm not going through a traditional publishing house. So what are, the, what are some of the things that I'm going to do to ensure that my book actually ends up being as successful as possible? Because here's the dirty little secret. Even if you do go and you publish through a traditional publishing house, they do not market the book for you. Some of them do a little bit. They'll do like press releases for you and maybe they'll try to schedule an interview or two. But that's the exception, not the rule. So most of the traditionally published authors I've heard from said, yeah, it was kind of a rude awakening. They did help with the design and the typesetting and the editing and a lot of the things required to get the book made. But what they didn't do, which I thought they were going to do, was help promote it. So that's where it's going to rely on you. It's going to rely rely on your audience, on your platform, on the platform that you've built, in particular, the brand that you've built in order to actually get the book into the hands of readers. So the first thing we need to ask, and I did touch on this a little bit earlier, is who is this book for? What are their problems? What are their fears? What are their goals? What are their ideals? And I do realize that this is going to change. A lot of the things we're going to cover are going to change pretty dramatically based upon if you're writing nonfiction or if you're writing a novel, right? If you're writing a novel, your goal isn't necessarily quite as much to transform this person to teach them to ride a bike or, you know, um, file their taxes or run a better business. Your goal may just be to entertain or enlighten. And that's totally fine. So at which point that would be your end goal. But you do want to take into consideration, particularly if you're writing some sort of nonfiction, what is it that you are trying to help them accomplish? What journey are you bringing them through? And again, who are you writing this book for? So what I typically recommend to people to determine this is actually create for yourself a fictional person. And yes, you can include the things like how old is this person, their gender, what they look like. That's fine. But more importantly, answer questions that are specific to what you're trying to top to tackle in the book. 
you know, does this person uh, struggle with, you know, whatever it is, getting enough exercise, eating healthy enough? Does this person uh, want uh, a different line of work? Are they unhappy with something at home? What are the specific problems that they're facing and how is it that your book is going to tackle those particular problems? What we want to do, the most interesting books out there, at least in my opinion, are the ones that are focused, laser focused on something specific. Generalized self-help books out there are a dime a dozen. So what is it that you are uniquely solving and who is that unique type of person for whom this is getting solved? The reason why the whole market to everyone is such a trap, particularly for new authors, is that what they don't really understand is that you might market a book to everyone and try to do that. But the reason we say that you're marketing it to no one is because most people don't buy something uh that's marketed to everyone, right? They, uh, People who are most likely to buy a book, particularly of a new author, those type of people don't buy general books for everyone, right? They buy books that are niche specific. They, they buy books that are on a very hyper-focused, targeted topic, right? The general public buy bestsellers, right? So it's kind of a cart before the horse type thing. If you try to write a bestseller, uh, it's never going to work because the type of people who would be the first to buy your book are the people who are most invested in A, you, and B, your specific way of telling the story or solving a problem or whatever is unique to your book. A book becomes a bestseller because it becomes a bestseller. A book becomes popular because it becomes popular, because a lot of people out there go out there and they buy Chicken Soup for the Soul because everybody else is buying it. The same thing applies to a book that you are writing. It's not going to become popular if you start out from the avenue of, you know, I want this to be for everyone. A book for a small subset of people may end up becoming a bestseller, but not because it it was written with the goal of becoming a bestseller. So I know that sounds kind of contradictory, but it's it's hold, held up very uh, solidly throughout the ages, particularly in the book publishing industry. The next question to answer is, why are you writing this book? What's it for? What's the goal? If your goal is to make money, let me be the first to tell you that this is not a wise investment strategy. There are better, more profitable ways to communicate information to people than through a book. Uh, A book on the most expensive end of the spectrum, you can probably charge $24.99 for a book. You go much higher than that, most people aren't going to pay for it. That's not because the information isn't worth it. That's just because that's really just the way the industry is. It's similar uh, concept is this. The reason why fewer and fewer people develop apps on the app store, let's say for Apple, is because it's not a wise investment strategy for most people. Why is that? It's because if you charge $3.99 for an app, most of the reviews on the app, not always, but if it's like a game or something like that, but I've seen this many times myself, where uh, whether it's it's a productivity app or whatever it is, you charge $3.99 for some apps, not all, but you'll get a bunch of three or two or one star reviews that say this is too expensive. Is $4 too expensive for an app that took a development team months, maybe even years to create? 
I would say absolutely not. I think that that's severely underpriced. The reason why that's happening is because it's in a marketplace where people expect to spend at most $2 on the app that they're wanting to download. A similar concept applies in the book market, right? If you charge $300 for a book, while the actual information that you're providing may be worth way more in excess than $300, still people are going to balk at that price. So you're kind of, you're limited to that kind of $24.99 price tag and being really limited to that. Okay, so then why is that not a wise investment strategy? Because when it comes to publishing a book, there's a lot of upfront costs. You have to hire a designer for the cover, for the interior. You have to hire an editor. You have to hire a lot of different people and a uh, a lot of different moving parts in order to get that to print, to market. You also have to actually pay for the printing. If you're going to have to do a run of books, you have to pay for that initial run. So there's a lot of upfront costs in publishing a book. If your goal is to monetize information, my suggestion would be to instead create an online course because it's not unreasonable and it's not uncommon for you to take the exact same information that you're putting into a book and put it into an online course for which you can charge three or four or $500, maybe even up to a thousand or $2,000 for that information. So if your goal is simply to monetize information, you're gonna be much better off with an online course. So most people from there would say, okay, so then why would I write a book? There is still a legitimate reason, a uh, number of reasons why you would want to write a book. I have not done it myself. I may do it one day. However, I've seen a number of other people publish books and I 100% understand why they do that. The biggest reasons that I've seen a lot of people publish books, and I 100% agree with this, is the ability to educate, inform, and share a story. It's a method for communication, right? And there's just something special about getting that in a nice, hardbound book with a dust jacket and a nicely printed typography on the interior. So there is this aspect of particularly because the price tag on a book is going to be significantly lower than it would be in an online course, you're going to much more lower the barrier to entry that you would have if you were doing something like a $500 online course. Now with a $500 online course, you would typically be helping fewer people and maybe the transformation for them would be better. But the nice thing, particularly if you've just got an idea that you want to share with the world, a book is a great way to do that because more people are going to be able to get a hold of it. Uh, I've heard other people say, well, well, can't I just publish this in a blog post? And if you can publish it in a blog post, then I would recommend yes, publish it in a blog post. There's nothing worse than somebody writing a 250-page book that could have been said in 20, right? So it's a book is more specifically for suited for an idea that takes you around 250 pages to thresh out, to get into the world, to truly inform on that particular topic or story. Another reason why I've heard uh, why a number of people decide to publish a book Uh, as well. And this is going to be secondary to the previous point, obviously, but it's to build authority in your market. And I actually do agree with this. There is something to be said for somebody who is a published author, because like I said, there are, you got around 80% of the population who says that, yeah, I want to publish a book. Uh, But you have 
a small subset of that probably, and I don't know, I'm just throwing this number out there. It's probably like less than 3% actually do. And the reason, because a lot goes into publishing a book, a lot of time and effort and research uh, and cost and writing and rewriting research, everything that goes into a book is what makes it valuable and makes you as the author an authority on that topic. Because it's not to say that you are guaranteed to be an authority on the mar- uh, on that topic. There are plenty of books out there written by people who don't necessarily know what they're talking about. Obviously, it does happen. But one thing is for sure, if you are able to write a book that is hi- of high quality, that is well-founded and well-grounded in what you're trying to communicate, it will, as a result, help you build an authority in your market. That's why so many people, particularly in the business world, try so hard to get their books on the bestseller lists because there's nothing that they want more than to be introduced as, you know, so-and-so, you know, Wall Street Journal or New York Times or Amazon bestselling author, right? So it's why people do that. I would never make that the end goal. Uh, I I would definitely make that a, you know, a secondary benefit, but obviously the goal with the book would be to educate, inform, or to share some sort of story. Okay, so now let's kind of shift gears a little bit and let's talk about the design for the book jacket, which is a little bit more my expertise. The other things, you know, the marketing of the book are things that I've handled extensively, but in terms of where the rubber meets the road, this is where I have uh, spent most of my time. Okay, so the first thing that we want to tackle, and this is what will actually, believe it or not, this is what will help determine how good the book jacket is. A book jacket is only as good as its title and its subtitle. So a lot of times what people will do is they'll try to create a title that's as descriptive as possible. And so that's fine. Like I understand that uh, that first instinct for a lot of authors, but here's what you should do. And this is what I've told a number of authors throughout the years. First, come up with a subtitle because a subtitle is supposed to be descriptive, right? It's supposed to be longer. So, you know, it could be like, you know, my, my journey overcoming, uh, you know, junk food eating like that's, that's a subtitle. And so then you can come up with a title that's based off of that subtitle. That's much shorter, right? Uh, It could be one or two words. It needs to be memorable. It needs to be brandable, so to speak. But come up with a subtitle first because that subtitle can be long as you want it to be uh, because it's going to be so secondary, emphasis on the sub, you know, it's going to be so secondary to your title. But the title doesn't need to tell the whole story. We got the whole book for that, right? So we want the title to be short. I want it to be brief. I want it to be you know, two to five words max, as short as you can possibly make that title, as succinct and memorable as you can make that title. Not only is that just going to be more memorable, but it's going to give your book jacket designer a lot more freedom to create a book cover that actually captures people's attention. Like I've had book jackets I've designed before that have like 12 words in the title. And I see the title, I'm like, okay, this is going to be a typographical title because the title is going to take up the whole cover. You need to be very aware of that, particularly because the book jacket is going to be the first thing that everybody sees. They're going to see that if you get an interview on TV or a YouTube channel or something like that, or, you know, if you, uh, if they see the thumbnail on the Amazon or they see it on a shelf of Barnes and Noble, the, ti- the 
book cover is going to be the first thing that they see. The next thing I'd mention, and I kind of touched on this previously, is yes, do hire a professional book jacket designer. And no, not just any designer will do. You don't just want to find somebody who's made some websites and uh, can do your book cover design for you. Or has, uh, you know, my nephew uh, has made some logos in the past. So surely this this person can uh, design my book cover for me. No. Book jackets are a very specific art form. They are, it's like I would never go to my dentist to take a look at my spleen, right? <laughs> if I was having some problems there. I, yeah, they went to medical school, but that's not their specialty, right? So if you can, I highly recommend getting somebody who is a book jacket designer by trade. Why? It's because book jackets. Uh, in order for them to be successful, you need somebody who's kind of immersed him or herself in the book world, right? In bestsellers, in books that aren't bestsellers, or somebody who's very immersed in the kind of culture of book jackets, because those are the type of people who are trained, who are informed on what it means to make a good book jacket. One of the things that I've learned throughout the years is that a good book jacket is much like a good billboard in that it can communicate a very specific message in a matter of seconds. And that is extremely important when it comes to a book jacket. And that's something that a book jacket designer specifically is going to be well-versed in, which is going to make for a good book jacket. And then a couple of extra kind of added points I wanted to make as tips, and I get into this in a lot more detail in the ebook, Book Covers That Sell, which as a reminder, you can find that over at today's show notes over at rightly.show slash 87. However, uh, there's two kind of main things I wanted to leave with you in terms of the design itself of the book jacket, which is number one, don't make the author name small. Don't make your name small. I see this, this is probably the number one thing that I see on, on self-published book jackets is that they make the name super small, centered, and at the bottom. You took the time to write this book. So I, I've heard some people say, well, yeah, I'm not a best-selling author. I'm not this important. So it's kind of like this kind of false humility thing where they're like, oh, I'm just, I'm not a published author. I'm not a bestseller. Nobody knows who I am. It's like, well, that doesn't matter. The fact is you took the time to write this book. And so from a design perspective, yes, that author name needs to be not bigger than the title unless you're a best-selling author, at which point it makes sense to have your name bigger than the title. But it should be close and it should be definitely bigger than the subtitle, which is one of the next things that I see all the time, which is people, I've heard this a thousand times, it feels like, can you make the subtitle bigger? No, no. Make sure that it needs to be readable. That's it. If it's readable when you're holding the book in your hand, it's fine. Don't make the the subtitle bigger. Make the title bigger. Make the author name slightly smaller, and that's it, right? Because I've heard this so many times, uh, you know, how many book covers I've worked on where uh, they say make the subtitle bigger. So there's this funny thing that happens in design, visual design that is, which is when you make everything stand out, nothing does. So you want to make sure that the subtitle is the smallest thing on the cover. You want to make sure that the title is the biggest and that the uh, author name is 
a little bit smaller than the title. So that's kind of how it typically balances out. Obviously, that's the rule. There are exceptions to it, but you got to make sure you have a really good reason to break that rule and uh, making the author name super small and the uh, subtitle super big is typically not the way to go. And the other, the last kind of tip I would leave with you as you're working on a book jacket is that you want to keep it simple. There's nothing worse than a complicated book cover. I've had authors come to me before and they say, okay, I want a little girl out in the middle of the street and there should be a puddle in the ground that reflects the moon because that symbolizes hope and her journey. And I said, you know what? You need to be able to communicate a message to someone in less less than three seconds because that's the amount of time that most people are going to be looking at this. So if you can't communicate something to me in three seconds, then it's probably too complicated. So try to keep it simple. That's why you see a lot of best-selling books out there with the title. One piece of imagery, like a stop sign or a roadblock or a map or a bookmark, you know, it's like one image. So you've got the title, image, subtitle, author name, and it's a like solid background color. The reason why you see so many books like that is because it works. So before you start, uh, overcomplicating it, make sure that the whole goal in mind is to make sure that we are trying to visually communicate in a short period of time what that book is about. Okay, so now let's go ahead and start shifting gears again into a little bit more of the book marketing aspect of it, which again is something that you're probably going to want to start to tackle about one year before its publication. So I know that sounds crazy, an entire year. Yeah, so while you're writing this book, uh, you know, once you come up to the point where you've got a manuscript pretty much finalized or you've got a title, subtitle finalized, at that point, you definitely want to make sure you start the process of getting the book jacket designed. Because once you have the book jacket designed and finalized, you're going to be able to create the next piece, which is super important. And yes, something that very few people do, which is a book launch website. I cannot tell you how important having a book launch website is because I have seen over and over again, I have seen people just link to the Amazon page, which is okay. That's like worst case scenario. That's fine. But if you do a book launch website, you're going to be able to accomplish a number of different things. So uh, I do actually have a book launch builder WordPress theme over at Notable Themes, and I'll leave a link to that in today's show notes if you'd like to check that out. If not, totally fine. Just make sure that you use some, you create some sort of page that is dedicated to your book. Uh, and there's gonna, there's a number of reasons for that, which I'll be covering here shortly. But you want to make sure that you buy a domain that's going to enable you to do, you know, mygreatbook.com, whatever the name of the title is, book.com, and you can even get .book. I think Amazon may have purchased all of those domains. I don't know. But the point is you want to make sure that you actually get a domain that is specific to the book itself. Okay, so why? Let's go ahead and walk through this. The first reason is because remember the importance of growing an email list. If you've got a book launch website, you're able to offer, and I've seen like Michael Hyatt does a really good job of this. I've seen a number of other authors who have done this very well throughout the past. But you want to offer people bonuses or freebies or like, for example, if you want to give people a sample chapter that doesn't even require the re- the requirement of, you know, making extra bonuses or anything like that, you could just say, hey, do you like to get the first two chapters for free? Just enter in your first name, email address, and we'll send it to you, right? That's a great way to give people uh, an incentive to provide you with their email address. Again, if you can grow your email list through the process of publishing a book, 
should you decide to publish one again in the future, guess what? You've got a list of people to whom you can send an, uh, information about that new book. Bonuses are a great way as well. So if you want to go through the process of creating like an online uh, a course, even if it's written or if it's a video course or a podcast series or something that people get access to if they purchase your book, that's a great way to do it. So in particular, if uh, you have like something that's going to be relevant. So again, kind of taking the information that you put in the book and pushing it to the next uh, level. This is going to do two things. A, it's going to build your email list and B, it's going to give people added incentive to buy the book. So you want to do something like, uh, you know, provide your receipt, your email confirmation or a scanned copy of your receipt along with your first name, email address, and we'll give you, you know, over $300 worth of bonuses. This is a great thing to do. And you could say, we'll give you an even bigger set of bonuses if you purchase 10 or more. And you'd say something like, well, why would you buy 10 copies of my book? Because you'd want to share it with your team or with your coworkers, at which point you'll get this maybe access to my team training or something like that. So that in and of itself incentivizes people to purchase more copies of the book, which if your goal is to get on a bestseller list, having people buy 10 copies of your book at a time is a pretty great way to start to do that while at the same time growing your email list. And that, all the things I've just touched on, are just the very call to action at the top of the book page. We haven't even gotten to all the other pieces that are great to put in there. Another great thing to have developed is a book trailer. If you're doing a, uh, if you're doing some sort of like self-help book or uh, nonfiction book, this could be something as simple as a three-minute video of you just talking to the camera and telling them who you are, why you wrote the book, what's it's going to help them do, and just you know click the button below to order the book. But being able to see you as the author is a great way to be able to do that. Now, if you're going to if you're writing a fiction book, then obviously it might be better to make it a little. You'd probably have to hire a, a, a specific type of uh, visual artist or some sort of. Um, production uh, professional who would be able to actually animate or put together something that's a little bit more like a movie trailer. However, you just want to have some sort of video that kind of engages people and tells them a little bit about what they can expect with the book. And then it's also going to be a really good idea to have a book synopsis, just some information, the main bullet points of the book. You're also going to want to have the book benefits. What's the transformation? After they read it, What's going to be different, right? Are they going to have a transformed business? Are they going to have a more productive work week? Bullet point those out. Three benefits is what I typically recommend. Then you can put a nice about the author so people can find out more about you. Or you can have links to your social media pages. You can also have link to your website, important things like that. Also, you want to include things like testimonials and reviews because that's going to be a great way for people to be able to, for you to have social proof about the book itself. All of these things are not going to be found on your Amazon page, but they are going to be found on your book page, which is going to much uh, raise the likelihood that they actually purchase the book. Then what you want to have, and this is really important, is that you want to make sure you have buttons to order from a wide variety of retailers. Most people order from Amazon, but you don't want to assume that they do. If somebody wants to order through Barnes & Noble, let them do that, right? So provide links to uh, iBooks, uh, Barnes & Noble. You want to do, obviously, Amazon. Any place where you can get the book distributed, try to make sure that you provide links to do that. Then kind of a little kind of bonus thing that I would recommend doing, particularly if you're getting people onto your email list, 
is at some point do a drip campaign or some sort of follow-up email, even if it's just a single email, that has a headline that's something like, know somebody who, who needs to, and then fill in the blank for what the book helps you do. Manage their finances, lose weight, eat healthier, whatever it is. Do you know somebody who? And then give them a quick button to where they can just forward that to their friend, which then links to the book page, and you can help encourage more sales this way. All of these things are just a part of having a book launch website and an email list attached to it. One last thing that I would recommend as well is include FAQs. I see a lot of book launch websites that don't have this. I think this is great. If there's, uh, how long can people expect the shipping to take? When and how do they get their bonuses? Uh, What happens when they subscribe? How often will you email them? Answering questions like this on an FAQ is going to help minimize the number of support requests you get, and it's going to make it a lot easier for the people who are wanting to purchase the book. Okay, and then lastly, let's just talk about a few ways, just a handful of ways that you can actually get people to that page, right? So let's say that you go through the process of creating a nice book launch page where leading up to the publication and the release of the book, you've got people who can pre-order through all the ways that we mentioned previously up to and including uh, offering people bonuses or sample chapters or you know videos or podcast episodes, however you want to kind of structure that. But at the end of the day, you want to have some sort of way for people to be able to pre-order the book through a launch page. But then the question is, okay, I've got my book launch page, but how do I get people there? So again, kind of preceding this, that's why it's going to be so important that before this point, you had already been growing an email list. Again, I've talked about it in the past. If you need an email list, you can start the process of growing one for free. Head on over to rightly.show slash convert kit, where you can create a free account over there. But the point is, you want to start that process long before you actually publish a book. But let's say you're already doing that or you just started and you just want to try to boost that or gain some momentum as you're ramping up towards the day of the release of your uh, book. Here's some of the things that you can do. Uh, First of all, jump into Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or something like that and do a search of your topic. And if you can, try to find 10 podcasts that are relevant to your target uh, market or to the people you're trying to reach or to the topic on which you are talking. Uh, Then contact the uh, owner of that podcast or to the producer, whoever is actually putting on that podcast, and see if you can send them a free copy of the book and see if they can schedule an interview with you where you can talk about the book, where you can share insight, because I can tell you, as somebody who is a podcast creator, sometimes it's nice to have somebody who can hop in there and help you uh, with your content schedule. Having somebody who is an expert on a particular topic, getting them to come on the show and talk with you for 45 minutes to an hour is great for the podcast host. It's also great for you, the author, because people get to find out about your book. And by the way, if you've got a book launch website, guess what's really easy to say on a podcast? Mygreatbook.com as opposed to amazon.com slash a long list of numbers and letters. Another thing that you can do as well is similarly head on over to YouTube and try the same thing. Now, not every YouTube channel does interviews. However, they might be open to it, particularly if you provide them an easy way to do it, such as using something like Zoom or something uh, like Skype. If you can record the whole interview, send it to them, they may just be wanting to actually post that on their YouTube channel, which again, 
is going to provide you a lot of free publicity. Uh, even better, the YouTube channel itself, if they're willing to put a link below the video, which then goes to your book launch page, that could mean a massive number of uh, people who are being exposed to and or purchasing or pre-ordering and sharing your book. So those are a couple of different free ways. When it comes to paid, a great thing that you can do as well, if you've got a little extra budget set aside, is actually running Facebook ads. I'm not going to get into a ton of detail today about how to do that because that's a whole animal in and of itself. But if you want to set aside a couple hundred dollars, Facebook's pretty powerful because it can target people who are interested in specific topics, which is great news, particularly for a topical author. So that's it today. I just wanted to go through with you and give you some of my top tips when it comes to publishing a book, some of the things that you want to remember to do All the resources and tools that we talked about today are going to be available over at rightly.show slash 87. So you want to make sure that you go on over there, get the ebook. Uh, Also check out any of the other tools that we have over at Rightly and Company. Again, that's rightly.show slash 87. So if at any point in time you have a question for the show or if you would like uh, to tell me about a business idea you have or the business that you're currently running and you would like me to turn that into a full-length episode providing some insight or branding ideas, I would be more than happy to do that. Uh, So you can go over to rightly.show slash question if that's something you'd like to do. You'd be able to record a question there. You can also call in to 877-RIGHTLY. Again, that's, I'm sorry, it's 844-RIGHTLY. So again, that's 844-RIGHTLY if you'd like to call in by phone and you would like to record a question for the show. Also, if you're finding this show useful, please do head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you are listening and leave us a review. We always do appreciate it. So until next time, go out there and create a brand that is truly rightly designed. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the program. If you found it useful, please take a quick moment to leave us a review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or the medium of your choosing. 